Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, I have a wonderful guest, Dr. Gabe Roberts. He's a doctor of chiropractic. He's a clinical hypnotherapist, certified in functional medicine, many degrees in nutrition, quantum integration practitioner, and has run a functional medicine clinic for, I think, how long was that run for, Gabe? Nearly a decade. And what got my attention about your story is you started to understand, and I saw a video of yours, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. You, you said you were only treating two-thirds of your like two-third of every patient that came in and you know the primary drive of this interview today for me is this wonderful uh holographic manipulation therapy that you've patented and it's based on the fact that a lot of people in your clinical practice weren't really healing fully. So maybe start with that story about where this uh, new therapy, this holographic manipulation therapy came from, uh, you know, the seed ideas, uh, you know, what made you do that? And, and I know in your video, you, you said you care about people, you want to make the world a better place. And this was sort of the natural direction to go in. So tell us about that journey. Okay. So, um, as you mentioned, my wife and I ran a functional medicine clinic in Kansas city for nearly 10 years, uh, treating people from all around the world, uh, with, uh, you know, most of the time they were presenting with problems that had, they had for years and they had exhausted most other resources including conventional medicine, um, acupuncture, uh, you know, massage therapy, those kind of things. And they had, I got a little guest in here, if you don't mind, I got a little fly buzzing around because it's so nice. We've had our doors open. Um, but what I noticed was kind of a pattern that uh, over this decade of time with thousands of people that within a year, a year to six months, um, many of the people would unintentionally recreate some kind of symptoms whether it was related to what they presented with initially or what they, or if they came with a whole new list of symptoms. And this started to trouble us because we ran the most sophisticated lab tests that were available in functional medicine, uh, 16 page DNA analysis, DNA analysis um, of just a stool sample that just goes right through the microbiome, looks at everything. And quite frankly, many of these people would have great tests. I mean, their microbiome was strong. Um, everything that we could test for, whether we are using energy medicine or sophisticated lab testing, uh, didn't really it didn't really show any other problems. And but sure enough, within a year, you know, maybe two years, they would contact us again, and something else would be presenting. And we noticed this pattern in eighty five percent of people easily. And what we came to the conclusion of after doing interviews with other doctors and, and mentors and things like that was that it was the psyche behind it. It was something deeper that was driving them to recreate this chronic illness again. And so not only was I in this um, 
not only was I in this profession and doing all these things like quantum integration and nutrition for my patients, but also for myself, uh, trying to find a way to end some internal suffering that I had carried for years as well without even really knowing what I was doing. And so we had a, not only do we have an emphasis on functional medicine, nutrition, but I've been working with emotions on people for a decade as well, clearing out emotions, um, clearing out, I don't want to say traumas because I wasn't quite that sophisticated yet, but overwhelming experiences that they, they had that we could locate in their body using muscle testing and using various tools, we worked on clearing that. And that, sure enough, was not um, sufficient enough to keep them from reattracting uh, illnesses or even those emotional problems again came back. Right. So, so long story short, I started to realize that it wasn't the energy body and it wasn't the physical body. And these were the two things that I was primarily working on. Physical body would be things like chiropractic and, and you know, um, massage therapy, things like that. And energy medicine would be things like quantum integration, you know, working from a distance with people to alleviate something they might have, whether it's an emotion or whether it's a segment out of place, something like that. And also um, BEST, which was the chiropractic technique I was trained in, and things like Reiki. Um, would all fall into the energetic body. But what I found was it was always the mental emotional that was the causative factor for it. It was the, it was the mental emotion that was the causative agency for disrupting the other two. So I realized that I was just treating symptoms because I wasn't, I wasn't getting enough in the mental emotional to make um, significant changes in these people. And I wasn't doing enough in myself. And at the time of doing this, I had several addictions. Um, I, I, I smoked a lot of pot just to go to sleep at night because right. of my own severe PTSD uh, from childhood and from uh, proliferating the Marines and everything else. And that was something that even my, the best energy techniques I had and I used on myself and I had other people use on me. Um, sure enough, when it, came in the twilight hours, my symptoms would come back. So obviously I wasn't getting deep enough in myself or my, or my patients. Um, and this really started to challenge me. It challenged everything I knew. It challenged everything I'd been taught. So I, I went head first into looking what is the mental emotional aspect of everything. And I came across uh, Carl Preben's work and uh, David Bohm's work and they had some of the biggest breakthroughs that I had ever found, be despite becoming a master level hypnotherapist, uh, emotion freedom, uh, emotional freedom technique practitioner. Um, I dabbled, I, I did a lot of psychological kinesiology, psych K, um, all these things helped, but there was still something missing. Right. Some of this stuff would help, but I noticed a lot of times it would even come back and it might give me a temporary relief that I could locate a muscle test with. But sure enough, that something would come back, some kind of environmental stimuli would re-trigger these things and they would come back, even with hypnosis, with all these other techniques. And when I looked at their works, I discovered that they had found that our conscious itself was holographic and our memories were holographic. And then I found that the most powerful memories we have 
are from in the womb to about six years old. Right. And there's, there's enough evidence showing that even the moment of conception, when that occurs, it's almost when that unborn fetus learns the most. It, it's like it takes a picture of everything quantumly and slowly starts working backwards to where that individual, the child, has a full understanding of self that solidifies around five to six. And when I really started learning this, it all made sense for me. I was like, well, no wonder. I mean, my uh, those times in my life were nothing but a war zone. So it makes sense while I'm just kind of uh, picking at things on the surface and not going deep enough if those are the, if that's the template. If we're just literally as humans, we're constantly comparing things. We can't help it. Our the way our nervous system works, the way our conscious, our subconscious, our unconscious mind work, as they're constantly taking in billions of pieces of data and running very complex simulations that are always measuring and comparing and contrasting to what's there and making adjustments within nanoseconds. So once I found out there were holograms, I studied on how to cancel out holograms and sure enough, go back to those points in time cancel out the holograms and that's when I knew we were really on the something my wife and I started doing this with with our patients and we noticed within you know two three years not only have they not attracted illness again but they were doing better than they had ever done and we knew that we had changed their identity we had changed who they were at a fundamental level and I could feel the changes in myself and my wife she was practicing just as much as I was doing this with our kids. And then it all came um, over a year ago. I had some pressure from other doctors that have been watching and studying and hearing these things. And they said, look, you got to do a webinar. Okay. You have to do some kind of webinar and just show us a little bit about this. And I actually invited you to that webinar. If you remember, uh, you were there, Dr. Thaddeus Gallo was there and Ian Hart was there and right. Rebecca Blust. And when I did that webinar, the title was the most advanced self-development seminar on the online right now. And towards the end of that, I demonstrated one technique of holographic manipulation. And the very next day, uh, our emails were just flooded with people saying, okay, I want more of that. So then we, we put together the pieces and made it where it was a teachable, reproducible process. And now we have um, 23 practitioners all over the world that are, that are doing this. Beautiful. And at the end of this, we, we could divulge some information about how people may investigate that pathway for themselves if they're so inclined. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, what was interesting about what you were just saying is you said your initial years were like a war zone. And you also started to use the word attract. So am I getting the right impression that we as humans attract to this comparison conversation you were just having? Are, are we, do you think you ended up in the Marines because it was familiar as the war zone you were used to in the womb? Is, is this what was uh, maybe inferred there? Um, that's absolutely true whether we know it or not, 
we have a conscious awareness that was proven by uh, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi of our dominant thoughts being 0.006% of what's going on in our mind and our body and our thoughts and our beliefs at any time. So it's insignificant compared to really what's going on in the bigger picture. And that 99.994% is mostly established. Um, and I say mostly because I do see a lot of ancestral things as well. But from the womb till six is when we're just basically a blank hard drive. And we, we can't um, evaluate. We can't judge. We can't screen. We can't um, analyze anything that comes into us. It's simply absorbed, whatever experiences are there. So when you're, when you're in that development stage, you start to absorb everything going on around you, including people's moods, including the energy they're giving off, including any kind of environmental stimuli that we pick up to the five senses. So hearing parents argue, um, hearing loud noises that are threatening to us is all absorbed in the womb. And that doesn't stop after birth. We still identify fully and completely with mom. Whatever happens to mom happens to us. And so if we happen to see, just for example, dad hitting mom, um, and that's something that when I was an infant was definitely present, uh, we identify with mom. So not only do we see life-threatening situation going on to us, we see it with mom. So it's kind of a double whammy. This creates feelings, not emotions. This creates body feelings. And all these experiences are like little magnets that get stored inside of our body. And then what happens is as we go through life and we begin to have more and more experiences, our unconscious mind will start to link these together. Our unconscious mind will sort for what's what has been there before. And every time it happens, we get a body feeling, not an emotion. A body feeling shows up somewhere in our body. body. And we sense that, we get a body feeling, and another link gets added onto that initial magnet like a chain. Well, by the time we're six, we have these chains that have formed. Whatever the environment was, positive or negative, doesn't matter. And so as we go from six into our teenage years and to our young adult years, we will unconsciously, unintentionally seek out to recreate those feelings that we experienced then. So you're exactly right when it comes to PTSD from the Marines. And this is for the same for me. This is the same for one of my therapists who's um, also a combat veteran. And every combat veteran I've ever worked with, you would think initially from their paperwork and from their history that their post-traumatic stress started in the war or started whenever they were in Iraq. I've never seen that happen ever. Right. Whenever I asked unconscious mind to take us to that feeling associated with it, it always goes somewhere to zero to six. And what the person was doing and what I was doing in my own life was seeking out events, circumstances, places and things to recreate those feelings that were already there. Wow. Okay. So we can all kind of like build our new homes to, to look like our old homes. And it's almost like automatic or some sort of cruise control. 
because we're looking to hang these same pictures or these holographic pictures, things that are familiar. You talked about in, in your great explanation about this brand new therapy that you've patented, of course, with, with your wife, Tiffany. You talked about most of our metabolic situations being automatic, like our heartbeat, blinking of our eyes, the digestion of our food. We have no say in that. Like it just goes on without any of our input. But you also inferred a little bit that our disease states are running on the same sort of autonomic nervous impulses. And sometimes those disease states, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, can they be connected to some of the, what do you call them? Not traumas. What do you call these things that impact us greatly? And you said the body will sort of take a snapshot of it potentially, and then sort of pull it out of the nervous system so that the nervous system can run normal again. Is is that related to the disease state? Like how does, how does that work in regards to holographic manipulation therapy? Okay. So there's a, there's a lot in that question. Yeah. I want to make sure I answer it thoroughly. And it's a great question though. Um, something I go over with nearly every patient. So there's a thing called epigenetics and that's what I want to make sure we end with. Okay? okay. Epigenetics means how our genetics are influenced from our environment and that actually goes above the genes. Dr. Bruce Lipton's work proves that 99% of our diseases come from a signal. And that's what we want to remember is the signal. What's that signal mean? Right. So if you look at the universe, the way that quantum physics has demonstrated things, and that's the most valid of all science today. It, it, the, the best way to summarize that for someone who was, who has never heard of it, or maybe it's a, a grandmother who's pretty simple life, you know, um, doesn't read up on this stuff and doesn't understand it is the universe will only say yes to you right. when you, when you are, when, when you ask for something, when you want something, the universe only responds with a yes. It doesn't respond with a no, which is kind of fascinating. And what happens is how the disease process starts to manifest is that we have to understand first, between the ages of zero to six, children are completely different than um, adults. And what I mean by that is the way their neurology works is night and day. Whenever I regress people back to the initial moment of trauma, I oftentimes have to tell them, and they're fully anchored in safety, so they don't have to relive anything. But we go right back to the very specific moment that has everything to do with their autoimmune or their chronic pain or whatever it is, their tumors that aren't healing, whatever it is. And we go back to that moment. I have to remind them when they see sometimes the image, I'm there, I'm in a, you know, in my parents' living room I grew up in. And, and um, I, I look, I say, look down at your feet. Do you have socks on? Do you have shoes on? Just so they can really get solidified in that holographic container, which has everything. Holograms are the most efficient way to store energy known. So you can have billions and billions of dats, uh, pieces of data in a tiny, tiny little segment. And when they go into that memory and they see themselves as a kid sitting there, sometimes they say, That's, I'm just sitting there. It's no big deal. And I say, yes, you're looking at from the adult version of yourself. 
look at it from the child's point of view. And suddenly the child is overwhelmed. They're, they're feeling like they're not getting played with. They're being ignored. Like I said, it could be something even more violent. Not always, though. Not always. I've seen insomnia cases that have to do with a kid waking up in their, in their bedroom at night, and there's a really bad thunderstorm, and they're alone, and they're terrified. So any overwhelming experience to the nervous system, the nervous system takes a photograph, stores everything in there, and what happens is that creates a certain pattern of thinking. So now the child, um, let's say, for instance, if they're trying to show mom a picture and mom's busy, not right now, or if they're getting told something, um, as, as, as extreme as this might be, I have had people with chronic Lyme disease and chronic infections. We regress them back, and the very first time their body ever planted the seed of that when nothing else has worked is when their mom told them, I like you better when you're sick. And at three years old, it captures it. The unconscious programs that in a child's mind is so different that they're almost narcissistic in a way that they take everything personal. If they're alone, if they're getting ignored, if something is not um, responding to them, they automatically assume it's because there's something wrong with them. Plus their mirror neurons are absolutely voracious. So what that means is if I were to pull out a banana right now and eat a banana in front of you, watch even virtually peel this banana, start eating it. The same centers in your brain as if you were eating, would go active as if you were eating a a banana yourself without even doing it. So that's how things like horror movies work. Uh, things like pornography work, you know, you see something and your body gets stimulated because it's the exact same mechanisms going off in the brain. Right. Well, children's mirror neurons are, I mean, they're just voracious in what they pick up because they're just, uh, you know, they're like dry sponges. They can pick up so much. And so what happens is some kind of idea uh, that they hold as true, which is what a belief is, gets set in that hologram and they, you know, develop into a teen, develop into a um, young adult, and around the age of 35 to 40, they've experienced so many different glimpses of life where that chain, like I talked about, gets added so much to where it starts to, the tolerance exhausts itself, it starts to spill over into symptoms, and it starts to spill over into pathology. And the reason why is because deep down, their identity, the highest level of their unconscious mind tells them that they're unworthy. It tells them that they're, um, they're not worth it, that they, their mom loves them better when they're sick. They're only enjoyable or welcome or lovable when they're sick. So on the conscious mind perspective, when they're presenting with that and they want to get better and they're trying things out and they're battling against the, the 99.994% that is telling them they're not worth it especially the identity phase. I mean, that's the most powerful part of us. And that becomes like the measuring apparatus of how everything we experience in life is viewed. So if they have a program of I'm worthless, I'm unlovable, um, you know, anything like that, their cells have no choice but to create specific chemical messengers called neuropeptides that will accumulate with those specific feelings. Wow. 
So when they have neuropeptides produced, and the way I dialogue this with my clients and my students is I draw a stick person and I draw this, this one stick person as having an identity of, of being welcomed in the world. Um, when the, when the conception occurs with this individual mom sees a pregnancy test, she's thrilled. I mean, just so happy. She tells her husband when he gets home and that, and that feeling that mom has of being pregnant, the first time she sees that is picked up so strongly by that infant. And then dad gets home. She shares it with him. They're dancing. They're celebrating. Now you got the chain already forming of that one feeling of being welcomed. Right. And it gets more and more. Dad comes home every day after work and rubs the belly and says, hey, Gipper, you know, how you doing? I know this because doing this work for the last five years, um, this kind of specific work, I've seen people, uh, I've went right back to those kind of memories. So whenever that occurs, that person's going to form a specific kind of identity that the world welcomes me, right. that, that the world's not a threat. So how's this person that the world welcomes me? It's not a threat. I'm safe in the world. How are they going to react with various microbes, mold? How are they going to react with things like Wi-Fi versus someone who has an identity that when mom found out she's pregnant, she thought I had a one night stand with a guy finds out she's pregnant, suddenly doesn't want this baby at all. Right. Well, guess what? The feeling gets absorbed. Now these two scenarios of let's say this stick person here who's feels welcome in the world has a sunlight above his head. So he's got an identity of peace and harmony and the world welcomes me. We'll say this one down here that has never felt welcomed, but has yet been born as a child, grew up as a child with um, peer problems and, and rejection from his peers and everything, because that's the only thing he's ever felt in this life. Well, his identity we'll say is a storm cloud. Okay. Right. Instead of a sun. So these two different identities form what are, what are called neuropeptides, chemical messengers of emotion. And these float through the bloodstream until they come across the cell. We have 70,000 cells. When it comes across the cell, it looks for a specific receptor that, and the receptors on cells are always the interface between the emotions and how our tissues react, how our tissues start to manifest things. So these two neuropeptides of different makeup, of different structure completely, will find a receptor on a cell. And once it parks in that cell, like a, like a specific parking spot, a lock and key mechanism, some are very specific. Once it parks in that spot, that gives the cell the signal it starts producing. So if it's something that's the world's threatening, um, I'm, I'm unlovable, any of those things going on, Okay. I'm not good enough. No matter what I try, it's not good enough or right. whatever else it might be. Those neuropeptides that this, that hook on this cell, give this cell a, a, a staticky signal and that signal becomes stagnated. And so what happens is there's no flow. When there's no flow, these neuropeptides begin to accumulate in tissue that is associated heavily with that trauma. So let's say it's a nurturing issue with a mother, a woman, if it's a nurturing issue, something in her identity doesn't allow her to feel like she can nurture things. Okay. And it might not even be children. I mean, it could be, we all have heard stories about the, uh, women who take in all kinds of cats, right? You look at their house and they've got cats everywhere. 
well, we could look at them and wonder what's going on, but really what's on what's going on is that woman is honoring an unspoken contract that she was born into this world be because she's a woman and that's nurturing. It might not be children. It might not be her own children, but she is nurturing the cats. Some women have gardens. If a woman doesn't feel like she has that role through traumas, through overwhelming experiences, through abortions, these neuropeptides will start to accumulate in the organ associated with nurturing, which would be breast. Okay. Right. And over time, those, those neuropeptides build up and build up and build up and they'll start to get your attention. They'll start to say, Hey, here's an itch. Here's a little inflammation. Here's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And they'll continue to step up their game until that holographic imprint that caused that neuropeptide is dealt with. Once that's dealt with, it goes from that storm cloud identity to the calmer identity. And when you have a calmer identity, like the sunlight version of the stick person I was using as an right. example, um, that that neuropeptide, when it links to the cell, gives an harmonious flow signal. And where there's harmonious, there's flow, and the neuropeptides don't accumulate in the tissues. Okay? Wow. And, and I know... And that's, and that's basically the, um, that's basically that signal I'm talking about is the exact signal that Dr. Bruce Lipton is referring to when he says that 99% of diseases are responsible for a signal. And it's not necessarily the signal from our exterior environment. Um, it's cause I have a lot of people that have come to me and they've done everything on the surface they can. I mean, I have a ton of women that come to me and no body fat. They drink water. They do yoga. They do everything on the surface. Perfect. They've exhausted resources of naturopathic and they have, they have the best lab work ever. They have the best lab work ever. Somehow they got stage four cancer. So the first thing I do is I read off a list and I say, welcome to the world of the unconscious mind. I'll read off a list and say, I just want you to tell me if you get a ping, I'm not insulting you. I'm giving you data to see if there's something that matches. So I'll say you're unlovable. You're worthless. No matter what, it's never good enough. And I say that until they get a ping, a deep down feeling that doesn't feel, it just feels like, like a tuning fork went off deep, deep, deep inside them. Right. And they'll say, yeah, yeah, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't feel right. And then I'll say, okay, what if I said you're a lovable person, you're accepted, the world accepts you. You're absolutely loved by others. You love yourself. You're valuable. You're a valuable asset. And they say, uh, it sounds good. I'd really like to believe it, but something doesn't. And what we've just introduced is the 2.3 million bits of information that go into us every second through our five senses flows through our identity instantly. And if there's something that matches, we get a ping. If there's something that doesn't match, it's ignored. Wow. So I say, that's the problem. There's something deep in your identity that your cells are eavesdropping on. And that's why this is built up. So can you, with your holographic manipulation therapy, are you able to go back and change some of these imprints so that different peptides can be 
pushed into the bloodstream or maybe so that all the information can be filtered in a way where negatives are pushed away and only positives are maybe kept to flow through the system? That's exactly what we do. Okay. That's exactly what we do is, is we have them do it. So holographic manipulation therapy is more of a technology. It's a technology that allows us to show the person how to interface with their own nervous system in a way that allows them to go right into that back door, find the access point of where that was first initiated. And we do several things. I have them get out of their brain and get into their heart. We have them, um, we have them completely anchored into safety because we never know where these are going to go. And how right. overwhelming that experience is going to be. We have no idea where it's going to take us. I make no assumptions. They'll come up and they'll say, I know when my trauma started. I, I, I know, I, you know, I haven't had good bowel movements in, you know, five years. And it was after I got into this altercation with my family at a plane and everything else. And since then, it's been bad. And I listen to them and I say, okay, you know, now let's let the boss do the talking. Okay. And once it starts telling us the feeling of where that came from, the, the very first time it ever happened, you know, suddenly they're three years old and they're, you know, getting punished for something in their house. And that's where it all started. Okay. Nice. Or I had a woman last week um, with severe anguish and she really didn't know it was anguish, but she had difficulty breathing, you know, and she was taking albuterol and all kinds of different things for asthma. And I said, look, without... I'm a doctor and I'd love to tell you that every time doctors say something, give you a diagnosis or something, it's concrete, right? Not the case at all. It's not the case at all. So without being any labels, without giving any kind of diagnoses or anything else, tell me, a, tell me a little bit about what makes you think you have a problem. Suddenly she feels like uh, whenever I'm near this area, when I'm near bridges, my breathing gets real short. And I said, okay, perfect. So I say, okay, there's a feeling you have, a feeling that takes us all the way back to where you first felt that. Okay. And this is a 30, 33-year-old woman. Go all the way back to that memory. Suddenly she sees this horse head in front of her. That's, she's like, I'm riding a horse. And I said, okay, um, you know, look down at your hands. She looks down at her hands and her hands are big, like manly hands that are all, dirty and cracked and things like that. And I said, okay, what's your name? And she said, Carl. And she's like, Carl, she opens her eyes and looks at me and says, this like really happening, you know? And I said, I'm here and you're there. So it's her going to her source, not anything I'm using with some scale or some machine or some checklist. This is her going to the very source of that. And she is riding a horse, comes up to her house and she finds that some it's, it's almost like a western the, wow. the setting of what she was describing she was suddenly a man riding up to her house after being gone for a long time she's going across some bridge and as she goes across her bridge she sees her home is completely gone it was wiped out by a fire everything she had everything that she had built everything she had managed actually not her this gentleman okay right was completely wiped away completely burned. So when you get into the unconscious mind that deep, it has to take whatever you give it. And we just through universal laws, which is a big thing that 
holographic manipulation therapy works through is just universal laws. So I always tell people, hey, this is neuroscience um, and quantum physics. You don't have to believe any of it. You don't have to believe any of it. You just have to participate and you'll get all the change you want, whether you believe or not. And so I said, hey, what would you rather have instead of that? And she made it just a fabulous beautiful scene, big barn, everything's perfect, just the way for this gentleman, perfect life ever. And that actually creates a new feeling. We, we tag that feeling to a frequency and we use that frequency to cancel out all the imprints of that hologram that was responsible for her triggering every time she saw a bridge or would have feelings of anguish. And we, and she watches, I'm literally instructing her telling her, watch that thing, make sure it completely disappears. All the frequencies neutralize. So now every billion of that piece of information that was stored in that overwhelming experience is completely canceled out. And then we make sure we honor the, me the, the mechanisms of the memory because of however long ago that was, there's probably pieces that, that the unconscious mind wants us to hold on to. What that means is many times when we have an overwhelming experience and we have a, um, a, a painful moment in our life, our nervous system captures that. And within that moment of that holographic memory getting captured, there's often pieces that the unconscious mind specifically puts in place it wants you to keep. Right. It, it, little things that it specifically needs you to hold on to. Gabe, when you say holographics, for the average person out there, it's almost like a snapshot, like a picture, right? Because the body sort of works in pictures. Like when you said eating a banana, I pictured a banana. Right. And that's how the mind works, right? It just kind of pictures, it captures things in uh, like photography or what you call holograms. Is that what this is about? Right. So photography would be kind of a 2D image and it would right. have, a, it'd have a specific... Uh, image you know a, a characteristics to it right a, a hologram is from a physics standpoint is a three-dimensional image where it's made of billions of fragments and you can slice it down and slice it in half and slice it in half and slice it further and further and further and further down into little pieces and as you get smaller let's say you have one whole piece here and you cut it into a thousand tiny pieces, what you have is not one thousandth of that image. What you have is the entire image, everything in it. A thousand times, yeah. Uh, constructed down to a piece that's a thousand times smaller. Okay. So, holo so holograms can capture all the data, all the pieces, all the overwhelm, all the feelings, all the emotion, the smells, the taste, everything that happened in that moment. And this is how our nervous system, this is how the whole universe actually works is through holograms. And, and we have holograms because it's the most efficient way of storing energy and memories right. and everything, light and everything. And anything that has to do with energy interacting, where it's moving, energy is flowing, and an, an energy where it's in a state of rest. Anytime we have those two interactions going on in our entire world it forms a hologram okay so everything Easy. about us everything about us is is holographic and our memories are no different when you thought of that banana it was a three-dimensional image 
And if you think about it long enough, you can feel the texture. Oh yeah. I was, it was a full video. It It was 3d. I could definitely see it. Right. And taste it and everything else. Right. So what have you found successful treating with this particular, you know, new therapy, what in disease states, trauma, what, what is, what can you help with this? Um, any number of mystery illnesses. Uh, and I'll just tell you this, running a functional medicine clinic with uh, some of the best mentors in the world, using some of the best um, available nutrients available, things like uh, I'm, I'm big on standard process because they have, you know, specific organelles. They have specific pieces of organs for mammals that can help heart, help liver, help brain, help all kinds of things. Um, but there's a number of companies out there that are really, really staying on top of keeping their nutritional quality high for people that are actually really deficient and need that. When those things fail, right. when, when everything else fails, uh, it's always a signaling problem, like I described, going on in that unconscious. So the things that I've seen in the last several years of doing this with people around the world is I went from having a world-class clinic that my wife and I ran to having far better results through meeting people with Zoom. So far better results. The people that the people that contact us and are looking for some kind of answer, the only source that knows is their unconscious mind. And if we can help if we can work with them go back and change that identity it literally changes their beliefs that they hold so so deep see our dominant beliefs and our dominant thoughts are not the thoughts we're thinking about right now they're not the thoughts we're aware of they're not the thoughts we're paying attention to and that's a really important thing for people to understand your dominant thoughts are not the ones you're thinking about the dominant thoughts are the ones that run below the surface don't have a voice they don't have any kind of voice at all. And they're the ones that manage everything going on in your body, including cancer, including autoimmune. And they're, and it's what I've learned is these things are not disease processes and they're not your body um, breaking down. It's deep, deep unconscious programs running amok. It's something in there that doesn't match harmony. It doesn't match bliss. It doesn't match joy. It doesn't match accepted. Right. And, and once those get changed, the cells have no choice but to change. So I've seen, I mean, I have a student um, in Ohio who has had breast cancer disappear off his clients. Um, I've seen that happen. I've seen people with digestive illnesses that, you know, 30, 35 bowel movements a day and they just can't live a life. They can't wow. go on vacation. They wow, can't do anything. Um, and that was that was solved really quick, like within a month of working with her. Um, but here's the thing that I want to be clear on. Sometimes people say, well, how many sessions does it take? So remember the two identities that I described in the beginning. Okay. I've literally had people contact me that are uh, mid fifties and they're about to get on a ski lift for a vacation that they've been waiting for, for years. And they're, everything's paid for. It's a real long vacation. They're about to go skiing. They start to get on a ski lift and they get paralyzed with fear and they have to literally be carried off the thing. Uh. And a psychiatrist they contact said, you got fear of heights. You can't do that. And they say, look, I've 
never been afraid of heights my whole life. Maybe a little nervous, but never like this. And he contacts me and we go through in his life events. Um, he was born in a, in a life that was very welcoming to him. Um, you know, conception was planned. He's an infant and his mom's holding him and he's at the grocery store and she drops a can of groceries and she bends over to get the can and more groceries fall out and the eggs go to fall out and she tries to grab the eggs, drops her baby, the baby hits the ground, picks the baby up, panicking, thinking, oh my God, I just killed my baby. Baby cries, baby's completely fine. But it took all that in. It took her in. It took all the emotions she was feeling in. And now it's grows up, it's 10 years old, falls out of a treehouse playing with a friend. Um, 20 years later, it's driving down a mountainous road and it has uh, this, this guy has a girlfriend with him and he's, he starts fighting with her furiously as they're driving down this rocky road. Suddenly he ends up mid-50s and he's about to get on a ski lift and the accumulation of all that it got to where he couldn't even do it. And we went through and it was like every event that I just described literally stuck up like sore thumbs and we could change those nice. all the way back to the infancy. Very easy. He was able to get on the lift and no time and enjoy himself. So take that scenario versus someone who was like the scenario I described before. Um, a mother at Woodstock had a one night stand and suddenly she finds out she's pregnant, doesn't want the pregnancy, listens to her friends and her family say, you got to get rid of this baby. Okay. So every time that happens, mother gets a feeling, baby gets a feeling, another link gets added, more links and more links. And she's talking about abortion. You know, what's a fetus know about abortion? Not a damn thing. Right. The feelings though. It absorbing every bit of that. So it ends up, she has it. The minute it's born, she sees this boy who reminds her of her one night fling. So immediately there's an unspoken repulsion. So the child grows up and has um, all kinds of challenges, peer issues as a young child, ch challenges as a teenager, addictions, rejection type problems with people um and finally gets to where mid-30s he's calling me and he says i have severe depression and i've got addictions no that scenario there is equivalent to taking a handful of sand and throwing it at the window and saying okay what particle hit first what are we going to change first because he's never felt accepted and i told him right up front this is a wrestling match the, and I don't even know that until the first time we start going in and seeing what's under the surface. Right. And then I tell him it's a wrestling match. So it could take, it could take a few months. It could take six months. It could take longer. And he was totally dedicated. He's like, whatever it takes, man, I just want to feel better. And within six months, his depression was completely gone. We had to go through and change many different imprints that he had accumulated in those early, early years. And there's, I mean, in a time where, I mean, you, I think you were, you know, referring to today as almost like planet tremor or world tremor or something like that in, in the uh, presentation I saw that you were in. Um, today, we need to rebuild the people and rebuild better systems. And people are understanding now that these other systems 
have holes in them and that they're willing to try now because they've tried everything else and things there's not nothing's really adding up whether i mean what doesn't matter what path we take there's all kinds of inconsistencies and failures and people saying they can do this and people are getting negative results so i know people listening to this are embracing change they want to build another a, a better world they want to connect with empowered people who are thinking outside the box so is there information you can give anybody listening right now, like if they wanted to do this as a client or they wanted to potentially, and I know you just don't take anybody into your process for training people in this therapy, but can you say something toward people that might want to contact you or one of your 23 existing therapists, or can you talk at all about if someone's interested in healing? Cause every human wants to help. I think that's a big problem too, is a lot of people aren't helping today. It's against their genetic code. They think, how bad could it be? I'll work a job I don't like for 35 years and I'll have a nice pension and I'll just convince myself. And I, I, I don't know if they realize the energy that takes to not help. So if anybody's willing to you know, contact you potentially and they want, are they interested, can you give us uh, both scenarios there, uh, Dr. Roberts. Right. So um, the subconscioushealer.com is probably the best way just to uh, contact our ministry. Okay. Because what I do um, is spiritual, spiritual without a doubt. It's letting them reconnect to that perfection they had when they were brought into this world. And that was um, that they had forgotten or, what trauma does and what these overwhelms do, the biggest problem is for, for people is they don't know it's over. They don't know the events that have occurred are over and they don't know that they're not their memories. So that's the two things is they don't know the overwhelm is over just like the gentleman on the ski lift. Okay. And they don't know that they're not their memories. They're way beyond. They're way beyond what the memories have been recorded because they're just imperfect holographic imprints stuck through our body that are equivalent to hamsters running on wheels. And they give us the perception that um, whatever happened in that moment is still going on. So the what we do is we go back and just do universal laws. Every person has the antidote within them like i ask them what what do you want instead sometimes they don't know i cannot give suggestions i just have to say if anything goes anything's possible what's the first thing that comes up and as we even start doing this i start showing them the answers within them what would you rather have what would you rather have instead and their mind just starts spilling out exactly what they needed and what we do is a little bit of holographic manipulation to where that becomes their reality. That becomes the reference point that their nervous system is constantly cueing back at. That becomes the measurement device, the, the system of evaluating that their nervous system is always looking at is what we can change. So they only remember things that make them feel better, whether it happened or not, you know, and they get that identity of peace. So typically with people that contact our ministry, um, if they're in the, if they're in 
if they have a, a drive in life that they want to be a service to others, uh, they get a hold of us the same way, the subconscioushealer.com, and they just kind of, you know, can ask questions. They can do things as a client if they would like to. Uh, for any person that becomes a student, we meet, and I'm there with them every other Tuesday. So it's a very interactive group to where we meet through a Zoom group, and we troubleshoot. Not only do they have access to all the techniques, videos, they see me every two weeks to answer questions and troubleshoot. So if they have a difficulty client or they have someone they're a little nervous about or uh, they have something coming up and they're not quite sure on how to handle it, they see me every two weeks. So I'm there helping them, making sure that they master it for themselves. And the more they do on themselves, the more they, that spills over into the exchange they bring with their clients. Um, and they also get 13 meetings with me. So they get to sit down with me where I go through and help them dig out things that they're carrying that they don't want to carry anymore. Wow. So, well, that, well, that sounds great. So let's name that website one more time. It was, uh, the subconscious healer, H E A L E R.com. Right. Okay. Beautiful. Um, you know, I really appreciate you coming on today, Dr. Roberts. I think you're doing great things. I think you're leading the way, where the world needs to go right now. Follow the courageous people. This is where you're going to find your healing. And you're certainly blazing a trail. And I remember you worked with me, I think about two years ago. It was absolutely fantastic. I can still remember the feelings that you were instilling in me simply through minor manipulations. It was absolutely fantastic. So I, if anybody's interested in blazing a new trail for themselves, for their career, or would like to heal and they've exhausted it, not even if they've exhausted all other, you know, if they had a ping in their body listening to this at all, I think it's uh, well worth the contact. So thanks for coming on, Gabe. I really appreciate it. Jason, it was a pleasure, man. Like always, I appreciate the time. Okay. You have a great day.